In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. And welcome back to another week in the Catholic Toolbox, The Art of Practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh, here as we equip you with practical solutions to live your Catholic faith in our modern world today. We're joined this week by Akita Sanchez to discuss a very important topic in today's world as the role of the lady is made ever, is made ever known more and more, especially after the Second Vatican Council in the dogmatic constitution of the Church in Lumen Gentium. The role of lady has become extremely important and very vital. So we're speaking about the subject of married saints. Not often, you know, do we actually hear that saints are actually can, can actually be married. And all we hear about is is religious and people um, who 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 went out to live in seclusion. But no, in the midst of our ordinary circumstances, we can find people who have been canonized found their way to heaven, achieved the salvation of their souls in the married state. And I think this needs to be emphasized more and more because most of the church is actually married. So welcome aboard, Akita Sanchez. Thanks for having me. Welcome. So <laughs> I think it's, uh, I mean, anticipating marriage, I think this yeah. is a good thing to reflect on. Yeah. Um, so when are we getting married? On the 26th of June this year. Yeah. So that's in a few weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're not married yet, but in a couple of weeks we will be. So please pray for us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's something to look forward to. Um, and I think in this journey towards marriage, the church encourages us to obviously learn about each other a lot more. But I think I wanted to learn about the saints a, a little bit more as well. Yeah. Um, to look up to the, the saints who are married and have been canonized. And some have been even beatified and canonized together. So that's um, really interesting. And we've got a few saints in the toolbox tonight. Um, So I don't have practical tips, but I do have saints in the toolbox. Um, I think their uh, their lives can actually act as an example. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, like, you know, you can do as much marriage prep as you want. You can do as much reading and... Um, listening to podcasts as you want. Mm. Um, But I think it's really important to get a mix of um, mentorship from people who've done it before and that it also includes the saints. Exactly. And actually, I think now, what I like to call saints in the making, I mean, great examples of people who are actually married, living a a Catholic life, aspiring to live a Catholic life in that day-to-day life. And you can sometimes observe they had good children, they're doing well in school. So... 
to get actual mentorship from lay people who are married and yeah. possibly have that practical experience, which objectively the priest doesn't have. Yeah. Unfortunately, whether you're religious, whether you're a secular priest, unless you're married, obviously, but in the Eastern churches, but a priest can give spiritual direction, but really the direction on the spiritual level is not going to have that practical component to the actual real deal experience from yeah. their perspective. I think the the priest's experience is quite different compared to a married couple. Um, even St. John Paul II writes about this in Theology of the Body, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> where he was saying that he his experience is mainly from people telling him what their experience is and mm. then kind of him, him helping them um, solve their issues in that way. So it's a bit of a secondhand experience, but nonetheless still very important because it offers a different perspective compared to, like, for say, they're in the box, whereas the priest is completely out of it. Mm. And it's completely unique kind of vision as to what he's seeing. So sometimes they do see things that are not, that cannot be seen by the couple themselves, but um, they offer a unique perspective into what can be learnt in that sense. I definitely think so because I mean someone who you know I usually catch up with someone every two weeks you know and they're um, they're a lay person and they yeah. provide me some spiritual direction in that regard to that, that that practical sense and you're trying to catch them all the time you know yeah. it's like oh I got my kids here oh sorry I got to drop them off to soccer class and once we had to actually catch up in the actual car yeah while we say he told his son you know put your put your earphones on. We got to catch up, <laughs> and so we grabbed the coffee. We we went. We drove all the way to Strathfield to pick up his son. Yeah, we're chatting about you know spiritual life, how to grow in holiness, you know norms of piety. I and hope there were noise cancelling earphones. Like yeah, headphones. exactly. Yeah, like they block out everything. And then when he picked up his son, he's like, "All right, headphones on, right?" And then uh, we kept talking. I yeah. mean, you just see how to catch up with me. It's, sometimes life gets a little bit tough, but it's in a Saint Maria Escrivá says. It's in the midst of those ordinary circumstances, in the midst of the busyness of the day, where you have a million things to do that you can find holiness. Mm. If you sanctify that, if, if, if you do that well and do that and sanctify that work, it can be your path to sanctity. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we you can, know, that's the important thing for us. There's a, lot of sa- there's a lot of people, I think, I think this century is going to be very exciting because we already have, you know, a few saints in the making already, like, for example, Blessed Carlo Acutis. Acutis. Um, Who was playing video games. Yeah. And I mean... I mean, there you go, modern yeah. time, you so, know. So, you know, there's definitely modern versions of saints. And I think that whatever the issue is in the world, we have noticed that in the past, no matter what the circumstances are, if you do push to kind of bring that saintliness out of you, then it it's possible. You know, 100%. The graces will be provided for 100%. You. We also have... We have so many, uh, I was just on a retreat last week and yeah. uh, in the center where I usually go from a retreat, there are many cards of lay people yeah. now becoming blesseds. Yeah. These are people who worked in an office. Yeah. They look like us. You know, it's yeah. funny because we look at saints and usually they're from a while ago, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Ignatius, St. Maroon, St. Shabbat. Yeah. Some of them they're are from like a different the old like, century, basically. Not old, but they're... Um, they're from a different They're time. They're the church fathers, some of them. Exactly. Like, you know, and very like it, ancient times. It's different to see a saint who is actually someone who we actually have a 
good, nice, high-definition yeah. photo of who <laughs> looks not, like it's me. It's not a sketch of what they could have looked like. It's an actual photograph. Looks image. like me, yeah. ordinary person in day-to-day life, lit, trying to find sanctity, and they're in heaven interceding yeah. for us the same and way Thomas Aquinas is, the same way the other I think it's are. so exciting to know that that's a possibility for people of any age, you know, people who are alive. I mean, you don't need to be a priest, a nun, a, I mean, a religious. I look you, at... You look at saints like Saint Maria Goretti, and she wasn't married, of course, um, but her family was there for when she became a canonized saint. And you know, it's the modern times; it's modern sainthood, if you think about it. Like exactly, sometimes Each your generation. family might even be there to notice, to see that you get beatified or you become canonized, um, which is really exciting. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. you think about it, Benedict. Um, serving John Paul II as Pope in the congregation. Benedict. Pope Benedict, sorry. yeah. I, I didn't know which Benedict you meant. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> not the 15th, definitely. No, but, I was uh, Benedict Benedict well. the 16th, um, witnessing, I mean, canonization of uh, people we work with. Yeah. Her, uh, Saint Cardinal Ratzinger at the time, uh, uh, I mean, the great photo of him and Mother Teresa. Yeah. I mean, it's just, my, my you're favorite... living amongst people who die, uh, you know, as we all do, and then yeah. get canonized. It's just yeah. amazing because that experience... I mean, we talk about saints, they're people we never knew yeah. hundreds of years ago, out of the picture. But these are people, you know, they could be, you know, your your cousin, you know, yeah. it could be people we're walking with. Mm. We can all be saints. We're all called it's, to be saints. It's a very exciting time to know that we are able to become saints. Exactly. And I think that realization itself is so wonderful. Especially and, there's a great focus on that. Yeah. Since and the that, Second Vatican Council. And it's kind of like, you know, I feel like in the past... People were like, you you got to be a monk to become a saint or you got to be like really, really into religious life. And well, where does that leave the rest of the people who whose vocation is to get married or to... Um, I think let's take an example, a, a let's say, life, you in, know? in Lebanon or Italy or somewhere uh, where in villages in, in different countries in Europe, you'd have, let's say, the monks, like uh, I don't know if we're in Lebanon, you know, they have the monks and they, people pray with the monks. Yeah. They pray the office with the monks and they sort of get involved in whatever life of monasticism they live, if they live around that monastic spirituality. But I think now because of the urbanization of the world, people are in cities, people are sort of semi-isolated, the Holy Spirit sort of pushed the Second Vatican Council, a positive element that came out of Vatican II, I would say, uh, apart from the liturgical confusion, which I definitely question to a great extent. I think the positive element of the Second Vatican Council, many traditionalists even argue, is that the universal call to holiness, that we are all laity, then the role of the laity, the apostle of the laity, we, majority of the church is lay people. Hmm. Majority of the church isn't clerics, religious. Majority is you and I, married in the world, single, people in the midst of their ordinary life. Yeah. And, and Vatican II called and saw the potential of those people in the midst of that ordinary circumstances like you and I. Mm. So we can really, as people, have an effect and a great renewal for the church. I mean, you look at mm. now, I mean, the involvement of the laity, let's say, not, not, uh, not in the liturgy, but we're talking about the role of the laity in, let's say, helping people. Mm. To, uh, to, to really come close to our Lord because now, let's say you're in a corporate atmosphere, 
the priest, the cleric, the clerical state doesn't have much of an effect anymore. It's sort of you and I have to be Catholics in the midst of the world, midst of the the secular mm. sphere, and we need to sanctify the secular mm. world. Yeah, that isn't centered on God. We live in a culture that doesn't have its foundation on God anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. So we got to find another strategy, just like with every generation. Every generation is is given its situation challenges, and we got to find a way around to sort of sanctify, to reach that equal level of sanctity. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in the mountains of Lebanon, living in a village with some monks who run the church and the bells ring for the office each part of the day, and you know, and the the language expressed within day li- day life of the people is God centered, mm. or you're in the midst of you know New York City, Sydney in the in in the secular uh, atmosphere, or whether you're in another country, whatever situation you are, we have to achieve that same level of sanctity. Yeah. So for the secular, more secular society that we live in now, we need to find, as Vatican II saw, a way to find holiness in what we're doing. In the day-to-day life of uh, yeah, absolutely, and so especially for married couples, yeah. the majority of people are married. Uh, mm. Many people are married, yeah. especially in the life of the church. So, mm. looking at the example of married saints, I mean, people have such a bad impression. I think of marriage. <laughs> I mean, leading it's up when I, when I tell people, you know, yeah. I'm getting married, they tell you, you know, oh George, what are you doing to yourself? You know, oh you're too young. <laughs> I live your you've life. Had, you've had a few different perspectives, haven't you? Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, you usually get that from your average, you know, like maybe the mechanic. You know, he's like, oh, what are you doing to yourself? You know, oh, he's still young. And, yeah. And then you, you see good Catholic practicing friends who are open to life, and they're like, mate, they're just like, mate. It's great, you know. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's lovely, you know. It's it's you, you just see the contrast in the perspective. Yeah. Um, so l- let's talk a little bit about the married saints. Who, who are the examples? Well, we've got a few, um, and so I guess this is opening the toolbox. But I think one of the biggest ones, um, well, that I personally kind of encountered was Saint Joseph, of course, who's married to Our Lady, um, and because. This year, I decided I wanted to read the consecration to St. Joseph. And I managed to do the consecration on May the 1st. Mm -hmm. So his second feast day, because that's when I got the book in time for. Um, But in that book, so many writings on his journey um, in his life, which also like when he was a foster father for our Lord. And, you know, there's stories in there of the ring that he gave Our Lady and happened to the house that they lived in and all of these wonderful stories. And I think it's very exciting to, to know that our Lord had these amazing parents. Um, well, Our Lady, of course, like she's just, you know, next level, beats everyone out of the water. Um, but St. Joseph, you know, to have been the very humble foster father um, who looked after him here on earth, which was just incredible kind of story to it. And yeah. And I love um, that he has a statue of him sleeping. I mean... Yeah, the famous uh, sleeping statue. What saint has a statue of him sleeping and is renowned for that? And you put your prayers under his pillow so he can pray for for you. (laughs) The first time I encountered that statue was actually in Japan, in Akita. Oh, wow. So that was exciting. Um, And that was like six years ago. Mm. So a long time. Mm. So that's the first saint that I had in mind. The second saint, or saints, I should say, um, number two, the cut. this couple is St. Louis, Louis and Zelie Martin. Yeah. Um, and they obviously had 
five kids who um, who not five kids. They actually had a, quite a few, but a lot of the children died in childbirth. Um, so they're the parents of Saint Teresa. In what Lucia. year were they? Uh, w- w- which era were they? They I've were never around heard of those saints. <laughs> really, they were in the nineteen like nineteenth century. Okay, so we're so still in the eighteen seventies and onwards. Yep. Um. So that's when they were kind of around, and so they were entrepreneurs. And I like that because I feel like we're entrepreneurs too. Yeah, so we can um, maybe relate to them. Yeah, and they were in France, so um, they had a lot of children and very Filipino way of how they named their kids. So in the Philippines, you're mainly called by your middle name because your first name is always Marie or Maria. Um, and all of their daughters were named Marie something. Um, and then the, the sons were Joseph something. <laughs> so yeah. very devoted to Our Lady and St. Joseph. Yep. Um, and five of their children all entered into religious life. So five of them became nuns and St. Therese became a saint. Mm. And I think it was last year, yeah, just before um, the lockdown in Sydney hit, when they came around to the different, their relics were brought around the different churches here in Australia. Yep. And we were able to venerate um, St. Zelie, St. Louis and St. Therese. Um, what a trifecta to um, be able to go around the world after you've died um, being venerated as saints. I think that's That's, that's amazing. Awesome, it's absolutely right? amazing. That's incredible. And so they were just, you know, she she made lace and he made watches. And then he was like, your business is better than mine. So he went on to join her in... Um, making lace. In Not in making lace, but I think in making that business happen. Yeah. So in a way, they're quite modern. Like, they're not like from like you know, the 1100s or something. But they're still fairly <laughs> and uh, as entrepreneurs. Yeah. and. So they were the first couple to be canonized in the church. Yeah. So it's very exciting. So they're the first couple in history. Yeah. You know, what does to that say? To be canonized say, together. What does that say about maybe perhaps the proportion of, of, um, of you know that less uh, the proportion of people being canonized that are lay people now yeah. to religious in the past usually it was religious in the past priest religious none you never hear of a lay person mm. perhaps there wasn't much attention in canonizing yeah um, lay people but now the church is focused a little bit more on the laity mm. obviously the uh, the church is governed by and sanctified <laughs> by the priesthood by the hierarchy that cannot change but the yeah. role of the laity on that operational level, I think is very important. But yeah, I mean, so those two, they were quite spectacular because I know that both of them wanted to join the religious life at some point, but then they both got rejected. So instead they got married to each other. And then they raised their kids in a way that all of them joined the religious life. Like how incredible is that? And um, it's just so cool, right? And it's exciting. Like... I mean, it's amazing. It, it you know, just shows. I feel like it just shows couples these days that, you know, you can be like this, and it's a possibility to go to heaven with your spouse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's not that impossible. Like they are your path to sanctity. Mm. You know, it's uh, Saint Jose Maria put it: uh, the purpose of marriage is to sanctify yourself and sanctify yeah. others. As and well. maybe, maybe I have rose-colored glasses on, and for everybody out there who's married, you're. Probably your advice is probably like you just wait until this one um, forgets to do something and, you know, you're not happy or whatever. 
But, you know, even if our little habits that annoy each other, maybe that is our way to heaven. You know, exactly. I mean, maybe, if you look at uh, what Saint Josemaria said, yeah, you know, the, don't say this person annoys me. Say this person sanctifies yeah. me. It's shifting your perspective to create like a divine perspective. Yeah, I and mean, instead of you know, this person is annoying me at work. You're just seeing it. If you see it from a human angle, he's just annoying me at work. If you see it from a divine angle, this is this is this is a way of sanctity of mortification. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I mean, even Saint Therese kind of went. This, through the same thing in the monastery when um when she in the convent sorry when there was one nun who was particularly irritating and we read in her in her diary that you know i'm trying to be nice to this person and when therese passed away this certain nun was like she was the only one who was ever nice to me mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you know it's kind of beautiful in that way where you know that brought therese to sainthood and maybe you um, doing something annoying like not putting a toothpaste cap back on mm. as someone suggested at brunch. You know, maybe that, can, maybe that can bring me, yeah. bring us both to sanctity, yeah. you know. But I, I, it, that's just one example. But I don't think it's going to be that because you're crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're crazy tidy. I put more than the oh. uh, toothpaste <laughs> cap on. Um, well, you know, it's like things like that and... Yeah, so it's small things, and uh, it, it really it really changes your perspective yeah. to see that whatever obstacle comes your way, whatever goodness or whatever people you meet, it's for a divine purpose rather yeah. than just oh, this is my day I bumped into this person. You change your perspective, yeah. and by that means you sanctify yourself. So it's very important, I think, to focus on late because now the church is really. Fo- I think in each year of the church, we have a focus, or the Holy Spirit focuses in. Mm. In salvation history, on certain aspects of the faith, it gets emphasized more. And now it's time for the laity. We see, yeah, whenever things aren't right, you know, we have the laity stand up and defend the faith. Yeah, you know, when 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 it push comes to shove to actually changing this culture, it will be only by the power of the laity. Yeah, unfortunately, as Archbishop Fisher once said in a talk, uh, the Archbishop of Sydney, he said, you know. It's time for the laity to stand up, defend the faith, bring the faith to the culture because they will simply not listen to the priesthood, the clergy. They won't. Yeah. I think the church has lost a great deal of credibility mm. because of its leadership on a social level. Yeah. So you know what? It's time for us as lay people to resume that role to maybe return it, you know, where we can have the, the priesthood and the hierarchy respected again. Yeah. But now let's the laity are here the people of God uh, who are in the ordinary midst, midst of their ordinary circumstances, it's time for them yeah. to make change. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to hear about the next couple that I've got? The next couple? I think we might take a break and then we'll come okay. back. Yeah. So for those wanting to call in here, the number is 96256111. That is 96256111. Or you can simply email us at thecatholictoolbox at gmail.com. ZKathicToolbox.gmail.com or simply comment any of the Facebook live sections. We're waiting for you for your questions or comments. So, stay tuned here. We'll be back shortly. My name is Father Damon Seifer. I'm a member of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, which is the Latin Mass Order. Our order has been ministering to the faithful in Western Sydney uh, for about 20 years now. But we think it's time for us to find our own place, to be able to build our own church. So we're really encouraging people to make donations, perhaps even 
dedicated to monthly donations so that we can forge to take on perhaps a mortgage for this great endeavor. So we would like to, in the long term, build a traditional church for the celebration of the traditional liturgy in the Latin rite. We would encourage you to think about this, to pray about this, and see if God is calling you to commit to helping us with this great endeavor to build a new church for Western Sydney. And welcome back to another week in the Catholic Toolbox, The Art of Practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh. Here's where we equip you with practical solutions to live your Catholic faith in our modern world of today. And we're continuing our great discussion about married saints, especially lay saints. It's time for the laity. This is a breath of fresh air into the church to really wake up our lay, to get more involved in evangelizing in the midst of their day-to-day life. You know, before society was very entrenched in the clerical, um, in the clergy evangelizing, the priest doing everything. The priest, back in the days, we told you, the priest used to run, you know, businesses, used to build the church, used to... Now it's our role as a laity to take up those things which are secular. Yeah. But obviously those vocations are still quite important. Absolutely. The priesthood now Um, has... uh, The priesthood remains... And I think there's a danger when we yeah. talk about laity because yeah. what often happens is people think, oh, it's a laity, let's try out the priesthood, oh, clericalism, it's, you know, we've got to get rid of it, you know? Yeah. But hey, no, Vatican II did not call for that. You know, like you look at St. Josemaria, his spiritual life, he calls for laity to sanctify themselves in the midst of the ordinary circumstances, mm-hmm. get involved in the church a bit more, take up roles. But what doesn't change theologically ontologically, is the priesthood. The priesthood does not change. Mm. The role of the priest is the role of the priest for the holy sacrifice of the mass. The identity of the priest cannot be taken away and replaced by the lady. Yeah, it no, cannot. It just simply means that the thing, you know, we don't, the hierarchy, our church hierarchy don't have as much of an influence mm. as they did back in the day. And it's time for a laity to be out in the real world, not in the sacristy, not in the liturgy, obviously participating in greater life of the church, but taking up that mission. Yeah. You know, like, for instance, it won't be Archbishop Fisher evangelizing the secular workplaces and um, politics as much as a good layperson running for politics, getting into parliament, mm. um, the vo- Catholic voters, Catholic entrepreneurs, Catholic businesses... The action of the laity is what will make the significant change. Yeah. Our hierarchy, our bishops can only do so much mm. if they're not backed up by Catholics stri- uh, yeah. wherever they are and finding holiness wherever they are and sanctifying their work. Yeah, exactly. So that's, the, that's to put it in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, but anyway, before the break, we were going to talk about our next couple um, of married saints. Yes, let's go into that now. Yeah. So this... This couple, I didn't even know about them until Sunday Mass. Um, so I went to Mass with the FSSP. Um, the Priestly Fraternity of St. Yeah. Peter. Yeah, so as Father Cypher advertised, um, that church that they're trying to build, that's kind of hopefully our future parish. And um, I think this will be the parish of my, many... Well, my current parish at this point, but yes. it's um, it's in Blacktown at the moment. Yeah, because they, they're great. using the Croatian Catholic... Yeah. Um, it's a lot bigger than what we used to use. I think it is. I think it was a sensible decision. Yeah, it was good. And it's quite central. Um, But anyway, 
So I found out about this when Father did his sermon the other day. And so this couple is, they're blessed, so they're just beatified at this point. It's Blessed Luigi Beltrame and Maria Corsini. And so they're from Italy. Yeah. And so cool mm. that when I looked them up, they were married in the Basilica of St. Mary Major in Rome. Oh, that's amazing. I've been there. I Incredible remember, church. I remember being there twice. Um, yeah. That's where the crib of our Lord is. Yep. And just beautiful church. Sancta Maria inside. Maggiore. Yeah. I've been yeah. there three about three times. Best gelato across the road from out there. Yeah, exactly. I've been to the gelato I, across yeah. there. So that's what I remember. And that, I think that was one of my favorites in Rome. And it's just so gorgeous in there. Yeah. It's an absolutely, um, it's, it's, it's a very nice basilica. Yeah. So they got married there. Yeah. How cool is that? And you, and you go underneath the altar and you actually see the, uh, yeah. the crib right there. Yeah. I know. We could talk about churches all day. Um, yeah, absolutely. They got married there, um, jealous, um, but we're going to get married in a nice church too. Um, and they were actually the first couple to be ever beatified. So they were actually beatified before St. Louis and St. Zelie Martin, but they're just still beatified at this point. Yep. And they're commemorated on November 25, which is their anniversary. So three of their kids were able to attend their beatification in 2001. They had four kids and three of them made it there. How cool is that? Um, three of their ch- children entered religious orders. One became a Benedictine priest, one became a Benedictine nun, and one became a Trappist monk. Mm-hmm. Um, they attended daily mass, so they really pushed for daily mass. Um, so these guys were around in the 1900s. Okay, so, so early they're 1900s. getting more contemporary. So yeah, they're getting more modern. And like we're seeing a pattern here, like all these beatified canonized saint like couples a lot of their kids ended up becoming religious um which is really cool hey and so she um maria when she was pregnant with her fourth child she um was advised to get an abortion because that um the survival rate for maria would have been quite low only because i think there were it was difficult at that time for that birth to be successful but she refused to get an abortion and she wanted to kind of keep going with a pregnancy and they just trusted in our lord yeah. they just full faith in our lord and you know the last child ended up becoming delivered safely and having a very healthy life yeah so you know for them to refuse that abortion in the early 1900s like I haven't heard of many other couples who have done like the same around that time of like that time. That time frame. So yeah, when it was World War Two, their house, their little apartment in Rome, became a shelter for the Jews. So yep. they housed a few people there. So they've been around for quite a few major things. I mean, if you think about it, they would have been around for like the Great Depression, um, World War One and Two, and yeah. They, um, so Luigi, blessed Luigi, passed away in 1951 um, from a heart attack. And then Maria passed away in 1965. Okay. Very modern saints. Very modern saints. When did St. Jose Maria pass away? Like 10 years after Uh, that? 40, I believe it was 48. Yeah. 1948. 48? Yeah. Oh no, sorry. 1975. Yes. 75. 48. So, I mean, we are getting saints of that time. Yeah. If you can tell. Um, so I just thought that they were a really interesting blessed couple and we should totally pray to them so that we can um they can become saints 
Like, Kevin I mean, and I Saints. It, it's, yeah, so now we enter the modern era. So, yeah, thank you to Father Wallace for that tip. And because I hadn't done my research back then. So, yes, um, that's divine providence, I think. And what a beautiful couple. So, you know, to have had four children around that time frame Mm -hmm. and they were activists for a lot of different things. So they were the heads of a lot of different Catholic institutions and groups and they pushed for daily mass. They... Yeah, and a lot of those groups are still around now, um, prominently in Italy. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah, so they're kind That's of... That's amazing. They were very active, like, throughout their marriage mm-hmm. in that sense. So they didn't just get married and, like, have the kids and that was it. They were super active in the Catholic community. They pushed for a lot of things. They went through the wars and they even housed some Jews, Um Back when, so they contribute greatly to the yeah, the work. Yeah, of the church, just an incredible couple. Yeah, yeah, so the corporate and spiritual work of the church. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I know you rave on about parrot schools all the time, but parrot schools wouldn't have been around then. You know, Saint Louis and Saint Zelie and Blessed Luigi and Blessed Maria, they wouldn't have had parrot schools to send their kids to, and yet most of their kids went to religious orders. Exactly. So what were they doing at that time? that led to that led to their kids loving our lord and our lady so much i think the center is the family yeah being and, and what we can really learn from these married uh, saints is that living the faith together as a married couple and transmitting the faith to your children is very important yeah and living a catholic life and it comes from the parents it really shows mm. that the faith is transmitted from the parents yeah it really it's, very, is. it's really cool. Um, and, okay, I'll throw this couple in because I was actually able to visit their grave in Madrid. Yeah. And it's um, St. Jose Maria's parents. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, how did they raise a saint? How did they raise someone who would become a saint? Um, just, you know, what did they do right? How did they lead him into that? You know, if you think about it, like, I just have all these questions for them because, you know, it's great to have these wonderful saints, but I also want to ask them what their parents did to kind of give them that background. Exactly. I mean, it's very interesting. Because I look at St. Augustine and St. Monica was obviously the one backing him, backing him up. Yeah, exactly. And so she you, prayed you have for a mum there, so okay, married. For a lot, yeah. And she, she wouldn't have been a religious, right? No, she was a lay, That's lay right. person, yeah. St. Monica. Yeah. So what did she do that got Augustine to that I think stage? what you notice with St. Monica is, is two things, prayer and perseverance. Yeah. I mean, she persevered. You know, she prayed for 16 years. I mean, we pray for 16 hours, and if our prayers aren't <laughs> granted, we want things yeah. now. Yeah. We don't want to wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we want everything now, now, now. And, and God doesn't look through our lens, our human lens. He looks through the divine lens. So. Mm. Everything can't be granted. It's in God's time. So we pray for it. We work for it. It will be granted in its time if it's God's will. Yeah, exactly. And I think another, another great set of, another great couple I think of that just comes to my mind really quickly is Pope Benedict XVI's parents. Because... Him and his brother, Georg, both became priests. They exactly. Were, they entered were they, together. Yeah, they entered together and they, become, they became priests together, right? 
mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. And it's it's just incredible. Like, what did they do to get Benedict and Georg and their child Maria to be to lead holy lives? Mm-hmm. You know, and they're still alive. Um, their parents are obviously passed because they're like Benedict and Georg well, are in their You 90s. can actually, what's interesting, you can actually get a copy of uh, Cardinal Ratzinger's memoirs. And you can get an audio copy from Perusia Media. So you can go to perusiamedia.com. Mm-hmm. You can get an audio copy of Pope Benedict's memoirs. Yeah. Where he, he actually talks about his life with um, Peter, a journalist, Peter Seewald. Yeah. He's done several of those. Yeah. And, and I, I listened think, to the audio. And he think... spoke about his life, how he grew up, how his father always, when he retired, he attended Vespers, daily yeah. mass. You know, they had the faith. Yeah. And, and they, they transmitted and they, it. And they showed it to them as well. Yep. Like St. Teresa's parents, they had an attic and it was purely just for prayer. Like their so it was da- like a chapel. Yeah, but their dad wouldn't let them up there just to hang around. They had to be up there to do their examination of conscience <laughs> or they had to go up there to pray if they wanted prayer time. Well, Yeah, and no wonder they became saints. Like, no wonder they became saints and they entered religious life. I mean, what you find is that there's... Not to be judgmental, but... You look at some average Catholics that just go to, I, I know that they just go to Mass on Sunday maybe, and, they, and apart from that, they're no prayer, no nothing talk. They just drop them off to Catholic school. There's no lively faith. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're not practical with what they do. Like, for instance, there are no spiritual exercises that you do together as a family, like the rosary, examination of conscience, going to Mass together, getting... Uh, studying the Bible together or doing some uh, biblical studies or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, really, it's uh, it's it's people need to be practical. Yeah. I mean, what's our spiritual plan? What's our game plan as a family? What's our game mm. plan as a married couple? Mm. How do we pray together? How do we grow spiritually? And then how do we then? <laughs> It's funny because uh, how do we then actually well, does transmit it, that does to Does it our even children? come down to what parish are we going to attend as a family? Exactly. Which parish um, are we going to attend? Because we live in different times. Yeah. Uh, how are we going to get involved with the parish? How, like, who do we rely on for spiritual direction? Yeah. Spiritual formation. Who do we go? Who to? do we rely on for? Um, yeah. So the three-legged stool of formation. I mean, this is a stool. Is the parish. <laughs> Or chaplaincy, or wherever you attend, which contains a priesthood, obviously, mm. for that sanctification. And the main stool is the family. Yeah. That comes first, which thereby give rise to the parish or chaplaincy. And then the third is where the school or mm. the education uh, pathway that you're going to choose for your children. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's par ed or whether it's homeschooling. Yeah. Within Sydney, Australia, the context, or in the Western, or yeah. in the Western world. Yeah, so it's exciting. That's how you produce saints, I think. Yeah. Because and especially We're churning them out. Yeah. Yeah, but none of the saints were formed and came to the faith without the foundation mm. from a very, very young age. Yeah. I mean, from a very, very young age, them attending mass, running through spiritual exercises. They weren't formed to become saints based on parents just being airy flary, you know, mm. oh, we pray, we say one rosary and that's about it. You know, it's nice, mm. you know, it feels good. 
That's great. I know, I know a fair few parents, and then they wonder. Those same few parents I, I chat with often wonder, oh, why are my kids, you know, no longer practicing the faith? I mean, it's great. You know, we're practicing Catholics. We used to pray the Rosary when we were young. We mm. used to go to Mass. It's not really enough. Mm. You know, I think when we stay at that surface level where we just do do our bare minimum as parents, pray the Rosary. That's good, but do they know what the Rosary means? Mm. Do they know the theology of the faith? Do they know apologetics and the arguments against our modern culture and the errors of our time? Yeah. Do they have that love for our Lord? And is there any spiritual direction as a kid? You know, some someone to guide them spiritually. I think doing some bare minimum externals is not going to cut it, especially in this culture where the tide is much stronger. We, we literally need to like, learn our faith like, and build ourselves to fight against the even culture. Even if you just watch movies and I'm, I'm watching like animated films and there's so much propaganda hidden in those films. It's basically indoctrination. You know what I mean? It is, know. yeah. So how do we fight things like that? in this culture yeah exactly you know? I mean see that's the problem and parents look at oh we want it to be you know nice God fearing people and they're not doing enough they may yeah. be nice people but it's it, it's nice good is, for you nice is great but it never cuts into anything we need you need to be people of prayer and you need to bring your families into it yeah you need to learn the faith we need to study the theology study the teaching of the church and know what it means if the parents don't know it then it, it, Outsource it. There are great resources in Australia here, Perusia yeah, Media. Yeah, or even join other parents who are looking exactly. at aiming for the same thing. Exactly. We have resources such as Perusia Media. We have Perusia Academy, which was just launched yeah. last Saturday. And congratulations to Perusia Academy, which is now basically the uh, an almost now an accredited yeah. program where you can study the faith theology if you want to learn your faith, similar to what was Catholic Adult Education Center back in the past in Lidcombe. Now has been, you know, in a similar fashion, resurrected to be Perusia Academy, and I think it's very important that we get behind it. Yeah. Because that that can be a source where your children can actually study their faith. Yeah. No. And the, and that certificate that they get can actually go towards credit. Let's say in certain other places a little bit later on, with mm. hopefully they're working on that. Yeah. But, no, Perusia has done a great job. You know, they've got a lot of great resources that you can use. Um, so if you don't know how to teach your faith, like some parents are simply, well, first I question why don't you know your faith or enough to teach your kids? And uh, and to a certain extent, we're not all theologians. Mm. We do need to outsource and get some resources, get some books, you know, but, you know. get video series, Perusia Media in Australia. You've got to tell Australia. your kids like things, the basics even, like, why do you celebrate Christmas? Is it just to get presents and things like that? Or is it to celebrate our yeah, Lord? I think we're both raised in good practice in Catholic homes, but possibly not on the theological level. So, like, yeah. when I discovered and came back to faith, it was through a Perusia Media There's CD. a lot of things that brought us to exactly. where we are now. Exactly. And to learn your faith, to know, yeah. what do I actually believe this? You know, mm -hmm. why am I going to remain in the faith? So, I saw a Perusia CD, came to it, and start reading and studying more, getting buying copies, you know, going to talks. That will educate you and bring your kids to those things. Yeah. I don't I, I yeah. see parents who want to live the faith, want to transmit the kids. I, I think the conviction is not strong enough for some people. And if if it's not there, then you need to, you know, fall in love with our Lord again, come back to our Lord and bring your kids and get your kids involved. It's very important. Soccer is and, and footy. And not as important as learning the Catholic faith.
Mm. I'd rather not be able to play soccer for the rest of my life. <laughs> Mind you, you can still do both. Yeah. I mean, if you have time for one, you, I'm sure you have time absolutely. for the other. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. To learn the faith, especially, I think there's a window of opportunity. We're not married. But this is me speaking to married people. The advice I get from married people. There is a window of opportunity if you are married and you have children. At that young age, when they need, you need to plant the seed of the faith through prayer, spiritual direction, formation, theology, mm. catechesis, catechesis, catechesis. Yeah. Teach them the Catholic faith. If we only focused on this one thing, if everybody in the church, everywhere, stopped what they are doing now, wherever you are, wherever you work, and focused on catechizing themselves and catechizing others, people would know why they believe. Mm. And that will solve our problems. Yeah. And That's the only initiative I believe that I think, is worth our time at the moment. I think a lot of the saints that we looked into tonight have a, a lot in common, and that includes not taking the faith for granted. Yeah. You know, not just focusing on just Sunday Mass. Mm. Um, it's building whole culture around mm. the Catholicism and in, implying that into the light, into our lives. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to get back into because we're in such a different world to what we are 100, 200 years ago. Um, and Where the culture there was God-fearing. And the, yeah. by virtue of the culture, you could, be sancti- you could be sanctified from the culture yeah. in the Middle Ages because it was God-fearing. Now it's like you go out into the real world, it's not Catholic. We have to fight against the time. Like the ads you see are like, just completely Spiritual against... Spiritual needs to be a double whammy. Yeah. Where we learn our faith, grow our faith, not only that, fight against the tide. Yeah. You know, so we can do that. So the, I think the key way to, to achieve saints as yourselves is, is simply to create what St. Jose Maria Escrivá, this is the one thing, is a plan of life. Mm. What St. Jose Maria calls a plan of life is basically described as our our love for God and the rea- and our need for God and the realities of our day. Yeah. I work 9 to 5 and I need to come close to God. My first goal is to become a saint. Mm. And by becoming a saint, I need to grow in holiness. I need that but I have you know, a day job or have a business to run or have a family to create a structured, ordered plan of when you're going to pray, what you're going to pray, how you're going to pray. Mm. Because I think what's killed us in the past century or let's say 50 years and 10 years I'd say about is ambiguity. 50, yeah. Is ambiguity. Ambiguity yeah. is, I would call it the, the masterpiece of Satan in the past uh, five decades. Yeah, it's true. When we talk about, you know, oh, like, like to love God and do a few nice things, what does that mean? Yeah, that's true. And, and, and the devil rejoices because we don't really know what to do. We're going to forget about what was said. Yeah, and yeah the, re- the relativism has kicked in. Not relativism, just ambiguity. Even just, you know, when we give a speech, we give a hom- maybe a homily or sometimes I, I speak to priests all the time. I tell them, be clear. Yeah. But they, they try to get my lay opinion. I say be clear and be concise and, and give practical tips mm. because what people, what will help and aid people is that they can leave that homily, leave that talk, leave this, a radio show and they have something to cling on to to go and do it. Yeah. Because 
the plan of life, knowing how you're going to pray, where you're going to pray, what you're going to pray, that practicality. We come up with operations. How are we going to? That's, I mean, that's how you start a business, for God's sake. Yeah. That's how you run an event. That's yeah. how you do anything, let alone, especially your spiritual life. Mm. To say, I'm just going to pray. <laughs> mm. Do some more prayer. I mean, that's a nice idea. Yeah. How? When? Why? What structure? When we fight the devil and we say we're going to have a structure for ourselves, and we drag our children into it as well. We give them a structure how to pray mm. with catechesis. Stay in the study and, and part of the um, plan of life will be obviously a regular confession, mm. sacraments, daily mass, uh, rosary, mental prayer, mortification. If we follow this plan and system, we'll get to heaven. Yeah. As St. Charbel really. said to the, uh, to the monks, you know, in the, um, the biography written about him, he said, if you follow the constitution of, of the order, you'll get to heaven. You're guaranteed to be mm. a saint. Yeah, wow. And obviously, the constitution of a religious order is a practical, structured guideline. When to pray, how to pray, the office, regular, when they go to confession once a week. Which saint was this, sorry? Uh, saint Charbel. Oh, okay, yeah. When they go, if you look at any monastic order, any, and now with the, uh, so, uh, you know, the prelature. Yeah. Uh, in the work, uh, th there's a structure. And I think that's the way to fight against evil. We we, oh, we actually and a lot of come it is, up. A lot of it with, is based on Benedictine techniques. Actually. It is. It yeah. really does. It derives from the Benedictine techniques. Yeah. But they had a plan of life. Yeah. They had a plan. Yeah. When you don't have a plan, goodbye. Yeah. You know that's the key. And to it's a tough a reality saint. to face. You know, it's it's so tough out there. And especially as married couples. We, we have to keep God at the center. Mm. When God is not at the center, then both of us are at the center and then it's just both of us mirroring off each other. Yeah. But when it's God, a third party, who is, is the goal, the common goal, then small things can be overlooked, you know, small, you know, things that irk you can be overlooked. Yeah. Maturity grows and that's how... Yeah, and as Bishop Fulton Sheen, his book is titled Three to Get Married. And exactly. It could not be any truer. Yeah. Like it really does take more than Absolutely. Just us two. It's three. Including our Lord. You know? So I think um what would you uh, so what would be your last piece of advice for becoming a married saint? Well, get married. Get married. <laughs> um, that's a start. That's the first step, but I think cling on to God as well. Um Always trust in our Lord and, you know, just hang in there with your faith. Don't let go of that because that is so crucial and so important. And again, we're not married yet. We will yeah. be. And I'm hoping that this advice helps us in the future. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, we can only cling to the advice of actual married couples who've... Uh, who've done it. Yeah. Who've done it and, and it's living the faith and, you know, let's say, have a plan of life. Yeah. Who, who go to daily mass, who live the faith... That plan of life. When you don't have a plan, Satan comes in. When you say, look, later, I'm going to pray. Tomorrow, I'll start. Yeah. That's why we get killed. It is tough. And you're not yeah. going to grow spiritually. It's like putting off the gym. Yeah. Putting off, you know, uh, my temple shops in the morning, my um, my workout midday, my eating and clean this time. It's a spiritual one. If we don't follow, if we don't have a structured plan, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to do my morning prayer now. I'm mm. going to go to Mass at this time. I'm going to do my mental prayer right after morning prayer. 
and, and we sort of stick to it, which is what religious or this is the, the secret to sanctity is that they had structure. Yeah. The religious life, they had structure. Yeah, it's St. Shabel, um, St. Benedict, um, the Dominicans, St. Thomas Aquinas, they all had a rule of life and a plan in that structure of their prayers and doing each different kind of prayer and conversation with our Lord. Mm-hmm. And that conditioned their lives. And when that conditioned their lives, they had that sanctity to step out and do whatever they carry uh, carry out, whatever their fruitfulness of their work, like the Summa Theologica. Yeah. Um, and for lay married people, it would be, you know, the, the children, to raise mm. good children, yeah. to have that energy from the spiritual plan of life, to raise good children and to impart that onto them. Yeah. Not if, just if say, oh, let's say the rosary, that's cute together, and uh, we'll go to Mass on Sunday, and that's it, there's a vacuum. Like, you live your life. Not just for Instagram. Exactly. There can't be a vacuum. You need to manage every facet of your child's life. Yeah. And I think with the example and with catechesis and engaging them in your same plan of life, there's there's the key to success. Yeah, God willing. All right. Thank you very much, Akita Sanchez, for coming live on me with me. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. Absolutely. We're very excited. So next time we'll be speaking as a married couple. Oh, yeah. God willing. (laughs) Please pray for us. Hope you can Um, keep us in your prayers. Yeah. I'm just really hoping that everything goes smoothly. It will go smoothly by the grace of God. Thank you very much for tuning into the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manassa. Until next week, God bless, take care, and take action. In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith, to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today live on The Voice of Charity.